So Sammy Vane, <laughs> Vane, <laughs> you're so Zane, but um bum. Welcome to Grapples and Apples, a podcast that talks about everything from professional wrestling to whether or not you can understand the insane weather that takes place in New York right now. Because how did we get snow warnings and snow in Long Island last week on Saturday and it's dang near 90 degrees here today. Insane. Not dealing with it. Anyway. As always, you're listening to us here on SoundCloud.com slash Grapples and Apples. Grapples, the number two apples. If you don't like SoundCloud, you got Google Play Music, you got Apple Podcasts. Doesn't matter where you're listening, as long as you are listening. As always, I'm your host, Ill Will the Thrill, the Poetarian, Shakespearean candidate, major English, whatever you need me to be. That's why, because, baby, that, that's, that's who I is. Now, usually I'm joined by my main man, my hetero life mate, you know, Shades. But he is unavailable this week. But it's okay. I'm here. I'm still here. I still got you. As always, I'm here to bring you all the news that you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. Including Baby Mama relinquishing a title. Including someone having to be stripped of their title. Including people being announced for a ladder match. Some signings and an arrest by one of the scummiest scums that's ever scummed. Now, before we get into any and all of that, I gotta do it myself, I guess. I'm gonna have to ring that bell. Now, in the last couple of weeks, it's been pretty slow in terms of news that's been coming through the world of professional wrestling. Well, this week is a little bit different. This week has got plenty going on. Now, when Shades and I were discussing over the week things that we wanted to bring up on the show, as we tend to do every week, we normally either right before we go on air or sometime during the week, we discuss things that happen, what we want to talk about, what's worth talking about. And what I'm going to use as the top story tonight is something that he initially did not want to talk too much about because he said he did not want to give too much attention to this person and so i'm going to apologize ahead of time to my partner shades but i have to get into detail about this because i am fed up and i'm livid news broke earlier this week that jose rodriguez otherwise known to those of you who are familiar with his work in wwe as alberto del rio was arrested in san antonio now why did this, I was going to say buffoon, but buffoon doesn't do it justice. Buffoon is light. It's almost jokey. It's almost as if to say, oh, he's just a dunce, when this guy is filth beyond filth. So, Dario was arrested and accused of assault and, of course, Sexual assault. Because why not? According to reports, Del Rio and whatever woman, I guess he was seeing her at the time, I guess that was his girlfriend, whatever, accused her of being unfaithful. And when she denied the allegations, 
He thought, let's make this a good reason to slap her upside the back of the head plenty of times and make her wear a dress and dance around and threaten that if she cries, he was going to take her son and drop him off in the middle of the road somewhere. Okay, that's not enough. According to the arrest paperwork, it says that he tied her down with boxing straps, put a sock in her mouth, and sexually assaulted her for several hours using various objects. What kind of a piece of crap are you? Now, we all knew that Del Rio was a jerk. We all knew that he had problems. There was the, the allegations and that came out when he was with Paige about him being abusive towards her. And I hope for her sake that she didn't have to deal with half of what this poor woman had to deal with. But how much of a heaping pile of garbage do you have to be to physically abuse this woman by hitting her across the head, threatening her son, and then sexually assaulting her for Several hours? Several hours. Now look, I'm not pretending to be some sort of tough guy. I'm not going to pretend like I can, you know, fight someone who's been in mixed martial arts fights and been a professional wrestler or anything like that. But I swear, every bone in my body wants to find Alberto Del Rio and do worse to him than he did to her because this is just vile. It is absolutely disgusting and if i hear that wwe has any interest in this guy ever again if i hear that he's working triple a again this like no hot take here i'm not dealing with it i'm not doing it this is disgusting luckily according to the reports i'm seeing here he is currently still in custody and i hope I really hope it stays that way a long time, and I hope he gets convicted of this. It's disgusting. And no, I don't want to bring light to this guy. I don't want to give him attention. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here quietly and not say anything about how much of a piece of crap this guy is. Especially when we live with, you know, rape culture and all that stuff. Especially being a Latino about another Latino. Like, I'm not going to not say something. So, yeah. Alberto Del Rio... Jose Rodriguez, whatever, I don't care. Dude, I just, man, I don't even have, I don't even have words for how pissed I am right now. In other news, looks like, even though we're in the middle of a global pandemic, Impact Wrestling has decided to open up their checkbook. Because they've been signing people left and right. Over the course of the last week, they have announced the signing of a multi-year deal with Sue Young to re-up with her, a multi-year deal with Crazy Steve, and they have announced the signing of Tasha Steeles. Now, I'm not going to pretend to know the work of Tasha Steeles. I don't know who she is. Um, I'm not too familiar with Crazy Steve, but I do know who he is. And of course, I do know who Sue Young is. What wasn't mentioned, I don't know how I missed this, but apparently, uh, 10 days ago, was the debut of Kimberly. Now, for those of you who don't know who Kimberly is, um, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but she's one of the women that caught my radar when I first jumped back into the wrestling scene in 2016. So, you know, I was watching a lot of indie wrestling, and 
I don't know how, but I ended up watching a lot of women's independent wrestling. And she was one of the, the wrestlers that stuck out to me. So for those, again, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you a little bit of backstory on her resume. Kimberly uh, was part of a tag team called the Kimber Bombs that was very successful between the years of 2013 and 2015 or 2013 2016, somewhere around there, uh, tagging with who was then called Cherry Bomb. So Kimberly and Cherry Bomb were Kimber Bombs, and they were the tag team champions in Bill Shimmer and Shine at the same exact time. They would then split up and go their independent ways. Haha, pun intended. Independent wrestling. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, Cherry Bomb currently works for a promotion that you all might know called All Elite Wrestling. <laughs> That's right. She is actually currently wrestling as Allie. Yes. The former Impact Demon Bunny and the current bunny from Butcher, Blade, and the Bunny. Allie was originally Cherry Bomb. Now, Kimberly, if that name does sound familiar to any of you at all, she actually did work for WWE for, I believe it was about a year or two, first appearing in the Mayon Classic and working in NXT under the name Abby Lath. Now, I always thought that she got the bad rubs. I think Kimberly is a very, not very talented, but talented enough. She's accomplished. She's a sound worker that I thought could have done a lot in NXT and in WWE. But of course, WWE would rather release Abby Lath and Deanna Parato and keep Dana Brooke and Nia Jax. But that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, amongst, you know, with everyone's, WWE's firing people, uh, COVID's going on, but Impact Wrestling's like, hey, let's have these four new checks to write every time we write checks because they, they, they've gone back to paying their wrestlers not like two years ago. In other news, outside of the WWE, our favorite promotion outside of WWE. I say that tongue-in-cheek. I don't actually... I'm not paying favorites here. Come on, guys. AEW, All Elite Wrestling, has some news dropped this week. Pretty big week in their camp. As part of Double or Nothing, as we I think we announced it last week, or we didn't announce it, but we mentioned it last week, that instead of doing the Casino Battle Royal, they're doing the Casino Ladder Match. And this week was announced some of the participants. I'm not sure if this is all of them. But as of today, we have... Announced Ray Phoenix, Orange Cassidy, Colt Cabana, Darby Allen, Scorpio Sky, and Kip Sabian. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six wrestlers announced for the casino ladder match. I would imagine that's it. I think with a ladder match, especially once you have more than six, it gets a little clunky. I'm not sure I want to watch an eight man ladder match. So even if this is the final six, this is fascinating to me because you have a huge mix of, not, I guess, styles more than anything. You have Ray Phoenix, who's a high flyer, who can do amazing things off the ropes, but also a sound technical wrestler. You have Scorpio Sky, who can do some flying, but is more of a grounded technical wrestler, a star on the rise, of course. You got Orange Cassidy who's a bit of a comedy wrestler who does the whole, you know, no-trying shtick. Cole Cabana, who's a full-on comedy wrestler, but also a very proficient in-ring worker. Darby Allen, who's a stuntman, basically, in wrestling gear. And then Kip Sabian, who's more of a high-flyer technical guy. So the, the only common ground is all of these guys 
are very familiar with flying off of stuff, jumping off stuff, going into stuff. I guarantee you're going to see a bunch of bodies going through ladders. That's not in question. So this should be an absolutely interesting match. And wouldn't I, and you know what? I will, I'm gonna. I will, excuse me. I'm a little tongue tied on this evening. What I will say, and I thought about this earlier today, is one of the good things about yeah one of the many good things about AEW doing quarterly pay per views rather than monthly pay per views is when they do their buy in matches. What this is what this is. This is a buy in, aka pre show. What they've done to date is all of their buy-ins have at least one match that means something. So we've had the Casino Battle Royale to determine one of the contenders for the AEW World Championship. We've had the Casino Battle Royale to determine the number one contender for the Women's Championship. And now we have the Casino Battle Royale to determine, again, a number one contender for the AEW World Championship. So there are stakes on the line whenever they do one of these buy-ins. I believe one of them had like and don't get me wrong, I don't I'm not sure that every single one has had this, but I feel if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to double check. Don't want to do that right now because I don't want you guys sitting here listening to dead air. But I feel like every one of their four pay-per-views per year has had at least one of their matches mean something in the buy-in. They might have two matches and one of them is just like a filler, but one of them usually means something, whether it's a number one contendership match or something along those lines. I think that's really great. I think that's very smart by AEW because if you're trying to get people to buy in, pun intended, to their pay-per-view, you want to give them a reason to watch. And I think that's an issue that WWE has that they don't really pay attention to is... If you're offering the the pre-show for free with the incentive of or hoping to be incentive for a fan to purchase the show or sign up for the network, then it can't just be some run-of-the-mill seven-minute match with two lower mid-carders with zero stakes and then 45 minutes of people talking. You got to give them a reason to, to stick around. So if you give them a banger of a match that has stakes involved, that's fun, entertaining, then if you're someone who's on, you know, you're tiptoeing the line, you're not sure if you want to purchase the show or not, you're kind of like, I don't know what I want to do, and then you watch this on YouTube or on Bleacher Report, wherever, because it's, you know, it's available for free on YouTube. If you watch it and you're just blown away, then you might be like, dude, this, this might be worth buying. You know, you might go to your buddy or to your partner or to your self if that's your bag. Hey, no judgment. Do you, boo-boo. Um, you might do that and go, hey, here's my wallet. Sign me up for the rest of the show. And I just it's just, just brilliant. Moving on, another announcement made this week as part of AEW's programming on Dynamite is the question was looming as to wh- who was going to present present, excuse me, I don't know where that lisp came from, I'm not a Rhodes, the question presented itself as to who, who was going to present the TNT Championship to the winner at AEW Double or Nothing. There was questions of maybe Jeff Jarrett, eh, false, 
He worked for WWE. Um, and there was there was questions galore. Questions were looming. Names speculated, thrown amidst the world of names. And one that no one saw coming. No one saw coming like the many, many boxers who didn't see this man's hook coming at their face when he knocked him out and laid him out. Much like... Evander Holyfield's ear never saw his teeth coming, much like the world didn't see his face tattoo coming. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. That's right. The incredible Mike Tyson. He, he the, you know, he, that guy, is going to be presenting the TNT Championship to the winner at AEW Double or Nothing. In interviews, people ask, hey, what's the deal? Turns out, Mike Tyson is a huge AEW fan. Word on the street that's been reported is that he's been to, like, all of their pay-per-views. And he just hangs out backstage, and he, like, loves the product. So, hey, why not? Why not get one of the biggest names in professional fighting history to come and do this thing? I mean, he's already did the whole... um, uh, he was part of, I mean, some might ha- take issue with the fact that he was part of the Attitude Era and had that whole bit with Stone Cold, but, I mean, why not? I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's fun. I don't think it's a great idea. You know, I kind of would have preferred someone legendary from the world of professional wrestling, but, you know, this could be fun. This could be fun, and the fact that Tyson is a fan, you know, why not? As a, if as someone in AWS, Tony Khan or the Bucks or whatever the case is, you know, why not reward one of your celebrity fans by letting them do this? Could be fun. Could be cool. Last bit of news from AEW is we have the announcement of what is apparently going to be the first ever stadium stampede match. Set for double or nothing between the inner circle and the elite. Now, what is a stadium stampede match? Uh, I don't know. Because, I don't know. They didn't really, really give too much detail. I believe all that was really said was Jericho said something along the lines of, you know, you think last week was something at Daly's place. Wait until we do it. In the big field. Uh, the stadium that's attached to Daly's place. So, I don't know. I don't know. if they're, Are they going to have a match in the middle of the football field? Are they going to use the entire stadium that's attached to Daly's place? I have no clue. No idea. But, we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll get more details about the stadium, stadium stampede match before we get to double or nothing next Sunday, which means that it gives them one week. Probably next week on this week's episode of Dynamite, we'll get more details. But until then, that's all the details that we have. So that does it for the world outside of WWE. Now, there is the Evil Empire, the WWE. They have news. They've got plenty of news. They have the biggest news that came out this week. But we're not going to do that yet, because I have to keep you here to make sure you're listening. I'm holding you hostage. Anyway, sorry, bad joke, not funny. First bit of news, Sting. Surfer Sting, Crow Sting, 
Sting Sting, has announced that he is no longer signed to WWE, or he hasn't announced it, but Bleacher Report has announced that he is no longer signed to his WWE Legends contract. Now, this came to light because apparently there was a line of action figures that was set to be released that featured Sting, but was pulled. Now, that would imply that Sting has a likeness deal that is a part of his contract with the WWE. So once he is no longer under contract with WWE, they can no longer use his likenesses and make toys or anything with his likeness on it, which I think is smart on Sting's part, to be honest. So once the toy line was pulled and they reached out to Sting for comment, he, I guess it looked like he confirmed that he is not a member of the WWE Legends roster anymore. Moving forward, uh, let's see which bit of news do I want to go through first. Let's let's talk Sami Zayn. So Sami Zayn, Zayn, <laughs> you're so Zayn, bum bum. So Sami Zayn was the reigning Intercontinental Champion, and I say was because he was stripped. Now, this comes as a bit of a controversy. Why? Because Sami Zayn was stripped of his title because of his inability to defend it within, I think it's 30 days. This is controversial for two reasons. One, the man has not defended his title and has not appeared on WWE TV because of the ongoing global pandemic. Now, in my opinion, I think it's BS that a man who's trying to protect his well-being, his safety, the, the, of his family as well, is essentially being punished by having his championship removed. Okay? So that's one thing. Now, this brings the question, or the realization, or whatever you want to just, how, just, 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 just humor me a little bit. Let's think back. Recently, wasn't there recently a wrestler on the roster who was a champion who appeared very seldomly? I, I want to say maybe only like, I don't know, four to six times a year? Now, if my math is right, and you only appear about six times a year, that kind of puts you at an average, I don't know, of like, you know, missing... 60 days in a row, something like that, because, you know, if you're appearing six times a year, six months in a year, that's, yeah, either way you slice it, now, I'm not a math major, my degree's in English, but I'm pretty sure he missed more than 30 days in a row, multiple times, if you don't know who I'm talking about, well, if you look at recent WWE or Universal Champions, you might see the name Brock Lesnar, and all of his reigns. And how little time he spent defending his championship. Now. Do you want to sit here. And blow smoke up my trees. And tell me. Oh well. You know. Sami Zayn. Like rules are rules. 30 days are 30 days. Alright talk to Brock Lesnar. What? B because he's the top champion? Because he's Brock Lesnar? Yeah no. That's not acceptable. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You can't sit here and, and, like, let Brock be champion for 17 years without defending his title more than once every century. 
But you strip Sami Zayn in the middle of a global pandemic. But clearly, I mean, we've already seen that the WWE could give a rat's behind about what this pandemic means for other wrestlers. So, as a result, WWE has announced the WWE Intercontinental Championship Tournament to crown the new IC champion. We'll get to the brackets and, and some results later, but that's, that's what's going on there. Also, as if WWE hasn't been annoying me enough, for those of you who recall the wildcard rule and how dumb that was and how annoying it was and how much it made the brand split completely pointless, well, fret not, we're doing it again. So while they're not calling it the wild card rule, and it's not going to be every week the show gets to bring four superstars, blah, blah, he, blah, blah, whatever the farcical rules were back then, what they're doing now is called the brand-to-brand invitational. So what this means, if I, if I understood Corey and Michael Cole tonight, what this means is that each wrestler can travel between brands up to four times a year. Hmm. So, if that's the case, then I guess it would sort of make sense to do it for big fours. But if it's only four a year, why are we wasting two of them on a random Charlotte versus Becky match? Because Charlotte cut a promo tonight, and next week we're getting Charlotte versus Bailey. Poor K? No say. And next week we're getting Baron Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. Question one, why? Question two, weren't they like buddies? When Drew was a heel, he was Corbin's lackey. Or vice versa. I don't know. Whatever. They, with the whole dumb, the whole thing was dumb. So what? Like now, from what I understand, this rule has been put into place because the executives at Fox are none too pleased, or I think both Fox and Raw are none too pleased about the brand split because of a lack of ability to use wrestlers from the other show. So. USA presumably is complaining about not being able to use people like Roman and Sasha Banks and Daniel Bryan. Maybe The Miz, The New Day. I don't know who else. And on Raw, presumably, they're complaining that they don't get the right to use... I mean, I'm sorry, the other way around. On SmackDown, they might take issue with not being able to use Becky. Although no one's going to be using her for a while, and I'll get to that later. Haha, uh -huh, I'm saving. It's a tease. It's a tease. Uh, Becky or Drew or Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens. I don't know. So, apparently because these two networks are constantly bickering about who has the better product. Here's the secret. 
They both stink because creative stinks. Anyway, so because they're both fighting for who has the better product and who's going to get the better product, WWE has created this brand-to-brand invitational in hopes to qualm some of the concerns and complaints by these two networks. Honestly, I don't know what they're going to do because, again, it has nothing to do with who's on what roster. When creative is junk, your ratings will suffer. There you go. Speaking of ratings, speaking of ratings... WWE Raw has drawn their best ratings since April 6th. Now, I wonder why that might be. I'll tell you why. You want to know why. You already know why. You just want me to talk about it. You've been waiting for me to talk about it because I've been putting it off because I'm trying to keep you here. Before Monday Night Raw went on the air this week, a little little something-something broke. A little rumor that was confirmed in the opening segment promo of Monday Night Raw. Becky Lynch came down to the ring. WWE's Women's Money in the Bank briefcase was standing there on a stand. Becky gives an emotional speech about the fans who have always supported her, about her career. And she starts to talk about how the fans are the ones who brought her here, so on and so forth. Asuka's music hits. Asuka comes out. And she's like, hey, that's my Money in the Bank briefcase. And Becky says, yeah, it is yours. And you want it. What you don't know, Asuka, is that when you won this, you didn't just win the opportunity to become the Raw Women's Championship. You won the Raw Women's Championship. As she opens the briefcase, and inside the briefcase is the Raw Women's Championship. Asuka, shocked yet elated, grabs the title, runs around the arena like a crazy person, goes back into the ring, and Becky says, you know, you have been the one person who's beat me. You were the, the one who, like, you know, when no one else could, you had me on the ropes. So I want you to, you know, you go be a warrior because I'm going to be a mother. At which point Asuka stops, looks like shock, mouth agape, and says, What? Mother? Mother? And Becky affirms while crying. Asuka gives her a huge hug, starts chanting, Becky, Becky, Becky. And Becky Lynch leaves the arena in tears, with smiles, and we go. So Becky Lynch announced her pregnancy carrying Seth Rollins' child, poor child, and relinquishes her Roman Championship to Asuka. Now, I have a few thoughts on the matter. First and foremost, when I first heard that they were going to open the show with a segment like this, I was uninterested. I thought this was going to be dumb. Um, didn't really care. But I went back and actually watched it, and I will say it was a touching segment and I guess I'm not that cynical and jaded enough yet. Because 
I do believe that that Becky was sincere in her emotions because in a lot of her like interviews and backstage stuff and you know she's shown that she could be a little emotional especially when talking about her journey in the WWE and we all know that her journey was not exactly an easy one you know she had a a tough time bringing into the industry and then being in the industry she was always thought of as the fourth or the third of the four horsewomen you know there's always Sasha and Charlotte and then Becky, and even Bailey was considered to be a better wrestler than Becky, but just wasn't ready for the main roster because of her character. So even when Becky was above Bailey in the depth chart, she still was sometimes considered as the fourth member. But fans always got behind Becky. Be- you know, the fans loved Becky, and so when she finally broke through as the man, when she finally turned on Charlotte at SummerSlam, and then, you know, had the whole brawl, and had her nose broken by Nia Jax and became the man, you know, it really happened for Becky. So I think that journey is going to create some emotional, some legitimate emotion, and I, I think that's true, especially when you're pregnant and announce to the world that you're pregnant and releasing your championship and talking about your career. Like, I think it's hard for her, for anyone, to not show sincere emotion in that sense, in that moment. And then Asuka, you know... There's debate as to whether or not her reaction was a work or a shoot. This is one of those things where, like, I don't really care. You know, let it be a work, let it be a shoot. Either way, watching Oscar react to Becky was heartwarming to me. It was nice. It put a smile on my face that Asuka, who right now is a heel, who is portrayed as this, like, warrior who's you know, just kicks butt and takes names... You know, she's portrayed as this tough chick and she does this, the mist and all that stuff... But when she hears that Becky's pregnant, whether it's working, it's it's a work because it's her competitor, or a shoot because they are friends in real life, you know, it's it's really heartwarming to see her react with such happiness, with such bliss, you know, performer to performer, friend to friend, woman to woman. I personally enjoyed the segment. I thought it was great. So, is there any question now? As to why they had the best ratings since April 6th, uh, I think not. When you have one of your top superstars who's essentially become the face of your product for the last year, year plus, who's your longest reigning Raw Women's Champion, announced that she's dropping the title because she's pregnant, carrying the child of another one of your top stars, and that news breaks before the show starts, of course your ratings are going to be the best they've been since April. Like... Duh. Can anyone tell... Man. See, this is, what, this is what I'm talking about. When I was complaining about the heat earlier, it makes me have to do the podcast with the window open, and when you live across the street from the projects, that's all you get. That's what you get. Dang, sirens. Man, shoot. Shoot. <sighs> anyway, I apologize, those of you listening. You didn't deserve that. I don't deserve that. But anyway, so yeah, Raw's ratings were the best they've been since April 6th. Now, is that the only reason? I think so. Because if you asked me what else happened on Raw, I wouldn't know. Now back to, we're going to do a little bit of backtrack, a little bit of, little bit of front step, side step, one step forward, two steps back, a little, little dance, a little shimmy, a little shake. A little box square for those of you who know what a box square is and dancing. Oh, watch the feet, watch the feet. Anyway, 
So when Sami Zayn was stripped of his internet intercontinental, not international, intercontinental championship, like I said, they announced the tournament to crown the new intercontinental champion. And the brackets are as such. On the left side, left side, Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak. Jeff Hardy versus Shamus. Elias versus King Corban. And, I mean, I'm sorry, that's on the left side. On the right side is Elias versus King Corban. And then AJ Stylus versus Shinsuke Nakamura. So, storylines everywhere. Let's break it down for you. Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak. Once rivals turn friends and training partners, mentor, mentee, uh, become allies, awesome friends, two top-notch technical wrestlers, one has to win, one has to lose. On the other side, we have Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, who've been, Jeff Hardy's returning, this is this would be his third or second match upon his return, not really sure, Sheamus also returned relatively recently, has not had much to do, but after relinquishing Shorty G, I think this is his first proper match, on the other side, you have Elias and King Corbin. They have been feuding for a few months now. Uh, Corbin killed Elias. Fine, no big deal. And then Elias cost King Corbin, quote-unquote, cost King Corbin the Money in the Bank ladder match briefcase thing of a job this past Sunday. And then you have AJ versus Shinsuke, which this is one of those indie feuds, and I call it an indie feud because this is... WWE understands and knows that AJ and Shinsuke had a feud in, in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and knows that fans were clamoring for this when AJ was the champion and Shinsuke won the Rumble a few years back. And so they had that brief feud, which ended, which tur- which ended with the Nakamura heel turn that we're currently still in the middle of. I'm pretty sure AJ's gone face and heel like three times since then, but whatever. So this is going to be rehashing that feud which interestingly enough the first time was face versus face and this time it's heel versus heel so curious as to how that plays out now what i don't like about this bracket is you have and this has always been my issue with wwe is that there's zero sense of randomness it's they literally just put feuds or supposed feuds together where let's say new japan just puts guys in a bracket with a goal in mind for the end, and then they get there. AEW pretty much did the same thing this time around with the TNT Championship. Not as well as New Japan does it, but, you know, it wasn't so blatantly obvious that these first-round matches were put together simply because of feuds. Elias and King Corbin put together on one side of the bracket just because they're in a feud is annoying to me. And then Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak being put on the other side of the bracket because they're friends is annoying to me, but whatever. So we did have those two... um, Wait a minute, I just realized... Is AJ a SmackDown guy? Or is AJ a Raw guy? Man, I do not remember what show AJ is supposed to be a part of. Whatever. Um, also, the Intercontinental Championship is, aside from the Universal Championship, the only 
singles title that has eluded AJ Styles since him joining WWE. So that for that reason, I'm kind of pulling for him, but that's another like side-side story. So this past Friday on SmackDown, we did have the first two semifinals or the first two quarterfinals. Yeah, quarterfinals, excuse me. The quarterfinals of the ta- of the tournament. Daniel Bryan defeated Drew Gulak by making him tap out to the heel hook after working over his shin and knee throughout the entire match. Very, you know, well-executed wrestling match. They gave him plenty of time, about half an hour, I think, of TV time. So that's about, I don't know, 20 minutes real time, something like that. And Corbin and Elias had a boring match where Elias won via, I think it was a schoolboy or roll-up, some sort of, like, you know, random penny predicament. So Elias wins that to move on to the semifinals, where he'll be facing off either against AJ or against Shinsuke, and then DB will face either Jeff Hardy or Sheamus. I couldn't even tell you who's going to win what. I'm going to guess Jeff Hardy's going to beat Sheamus. We'll get DB versus Jeff. Hopefully DB wins, because Jeff is overrated AF. Um, Elias, yikes, versus Shinsuke or AJ, that's bound to fail i don't know maybe we get aj versus db for the ic oh i'd like that i would like that please give me that please give me daniel bryan versus aj styles for the intercontinental championship please 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 pretty pretty please or shinsuke versus daniel bryan either you get outstanding technical wrestling or you get strong style like you've never seen well not like not like you've never seen before because if you watch new japan pro wrestling you see it on a regular basis if you see a shibata match or a Suzuki match, or the you know Stone Pitbull match. Oh God, my head hurts just thinking about that. <laughs> um, yeah, please, either one of those. Daniel Bryan versus AJ or Shinsuke, preferably AJ. Please, 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 sign it up, do it, make it happen. Please, please, please. Knowing WWE, it won't happen. We'll get Jeff versus Elias because they hate us. They hate all of us. They hate us all. So anyway, um. Let's see. That is going to... Yeah, that's pretty much all that really happened in the news. But that doesn't mean the show's over, because in the world of professional wrestling, there are good seeds. And there are bad seeds. But no matter what, they all contribute to the tree, to the garden, to the forest that is professional wrestling. Now, what is my good seed? I could go with the Becky segment... Segment, not the announcement, the segment. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I want to go back to something. I almost forgot. I wanted to give some... Oh, man, I hate that I'm going back and forth, but you know what? Whatever. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. So, I wanted to to give some thought and insight as to, my, as to the actual relinquishing of the Raw Women's Championship. I think, now, as a fan of Becky Lynch... I mean, I've kind of, my fanness of her has dwindled a little bit because it's kind of gotten stale. But as a fan of her originally, it is sad to see her drop the title. However, what's great is that this opens up that division now. Because for the last year since WrestleMania 35, which I was at, since WrestleMania 35, it's just been, you know, Becky wins lulls. Becky has match, Becky wins match. Becky has feud, Becky has match, Becky wins match. Becky has feud, Becky has match, Becky wins match. It's just been, you know, 
almost to the point where no one expects her to lose ever. Just because. So having Asuka become the champion and Becky relinquishing the championship now opens the door for other women to step up. Now it opens the door for more feuds, more storylines, more chances to have more faces with that belt around their waist or on their shoulder. Now, granted, I wish they had done some sort of competitive way for the champion to be named, not just hand it to Asuka, but I also understand if they're doing an IC tournament, they probably don't want to do a women's tournament at the same time. Um, but, I don't know, maybe you could do a rumble, and the winner, a battle royal, so to speak, and whoever wins the battle royal wins it, or a ladder match. Although, supposedly, the Money in the Bank ladder match was her winning the ladder match, and that's their way of retconning, and I'm not really crazy about that idea. I feel like the fans should know what they're watching when they're watching it. But, again, what excites me is that now I have interest in the Raw Women's Division, where previously, for the last few months, I have not. Because after they've shown that they don't really have any faith in Shayna, well, then they're just like, okay, not going to happen. But now, we can see Asuka, we can see Shayna compete for it, we can see Nia Jax hurt people on her way to it, you know, um, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, um, who was on the Raw, and technically Charlotte, but God, please, God, no, 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 God, no, pull a Steve Carell from The Office, just yelling no a million times. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that idea. I think that's going to be great for the Raw Women's Division to open up. Now, let's rewind fast forward back in time where I was when I was ahead of time behind what I wanted to talk about then. Now, seeds. I got them. Okay. Good seed. Good seed could be, could be the, you know, that segment. It could be the implications of that segment, which I just talked about when I talked about what I was supposed to talk about then, but I talked about it now. Um, could be the announcement of the contenders for the casino ladder match, because I think that's interesting. Could be Mike Tyson. Could be anything. I'm going to say that I'm going to give my good seed. Damn, this is normally the part where like I, I cut to shades and... I hope he lets me procrastinate by him thinking or talking, and then I can think while he's talking, and then I can think about what I'm going to talk about, but he's not here right now, so I'm going to have to stop delaying and pretending like I'm thinking while I'm talking to you. I mean, talking to you while I'm thinking, boy. Um, you know what? I'll... <sighs> Let's eh, screw it. I'm going to give my golden seed, my good seed, not golden seed, it's not that time of the year. I'm going to give my good seed to not necessarily Becky being pregnant, not necessarily to Becky relinquishing the title, but I'm giving my good seed to the Raw Women's Division now being open and up for grabs. My bad seed, well... I don't think it's any question where my bad seat's going to go to. For those of you who 
fast forwarded to this part of the show. You can listen to the beginning where I ranted for a few minutes about probably the most vile piece of crap that's currently in the industry. Alberto Del Rio, that's all I'm going to say. That's my bad seed. He's worse than my bad seed. I don't even want to give him the bad seed because the bad seed is whimsical. And he's not whimsical, he's trash. But anyway, that's the last I'm going to say about that. That's going to do it for this week's episode. As always, you've been listening to us on SoundCloud.com. Slash grapples to apples. Slash grapples the number two. Apples, if you don't like SoundCloud, you got Google Play Music. You got Apple Podcasts. It doesn't matter where you're listening as long as you're listening. Don't forget to check out our social media pages. That's Facebook.com and Twitter.com. Slash grapples to apples. Again, that's grapples the number two. Apples. Like, comment, share, subscribe, do whatever you have to do to put us in as many eyes and ears as humanly possible. We really, really appreciate it. As always, I've been your host, Ill Will the Thrill, the Poetarian, Shakespearean candidate, major English, whatever you need me to be, that's who I'll be, because that's who I is. This week, not joined by, but next week, I'm sure we'll see the return of my hetero life mate, the man of the hour. I'm not going to do his whole bit. His name is Shades. He's not here this week, but I'm sure he'll be back next week. Don't forget to tune in this week, last week, and every other week. Because an apple a day is a bad wrestle away. Peace.